Hello, everybody. This is Dan Woods from Early Adopter Research, and this is the Designing Enterprise Platforms podcast. Today, we're going to talk about how to optimize your BI data warehouse and data lake spend in the cloud. I'm joined today by Jason Nadeau, the VP of Marketing from Dremio, who's going to talk a little bit about Dremio and about the general strategy he's developed for doing this and how Dremio supports it. Jason, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dan. My pleasure to be here. So uh, we're going to start off by just talking a little bit about Dremio, just so everybody knows where you're coming from. Uh, could you explain you know, briefly what Dremio is and where it comes from and what it does? Yeah, you bet. So uh, first of all, the, the reason we exist is to help people uh, do analytics faster and better on the data they have in their cloud data lakes. Uh, so we all know that more and more data is, is landing there. It's landing there first. Uh, and it, it's difficult for people to use that data and query it with uh, with performance and whatnot. Um, and so that's why we exist. So we make that uh, make queries there lightning fast. We have a, a semantic layer to provide the um, you know that, that kind of business you know abstraction and fundamentally allow business intelligence, data science uh, to happen right on the data in your data lake. And you know one of the things that we do uh, and sort of related to that is help people get from their their on-premise um, implementations, which many large enterprises have into the cloud because that's that's absolutely the future direction for many. Excellent, and so that's why we're talking about this today because the the idea that, that I've always talked about when I talk to people about data warehousing in the cloud is that you're really, when you go to the cloud, it's a different product. You know, you have on-premise data warehouses, data lakes, et cetera, and they work a certain way. But when you move them to the cloud, the, the elasticity of the cloud, the, the way that you get charged, all of this makes things a different world. And you have to behave differently first to get the most benefit out of that world, but also to get the most bang for the buck. And so what I want to talk about at first is, is just the ideal product in the cloud for data management. You know, and and then, uh, then let's talk about you know, uh, how you know, vendors are either meeting that standard or falling short of it. So what would you say the way we could describe the ideal characteristics of a cloud product that, that would be the most you know, uh, cost effective? What, what yeah, properties sure. would it have? Sorry for, uh, for, for stepping in there, Dan. Um, yeah, I think there's a few that are, that are, are worth thinking about and, and we certainly think about here at, at Dremio a lot. Um, you know, and the first is that you, you wanna avoid making copies of data and shipping copies around. And you know, copies of data, number one, they, you have to store them. Uh, and so that takes, uh, that takes money. Now, uh, you know, thankfully, one of the, the benefits of, of cloud object storage in particular is, is that it isn't that expensive, but still, you know, a dollar is a dollar. Uh, frankly, the, the, the bigger challenge becomes you know, trying to manage uh, you know, all those, those different copies of, of data. And so you know, one of the things that, that we think people should do, if they're going to you know, build an ideal data management platform, you should, as much as possible, use the data that you have, keep it in place uh, where it lands in the cloud, and, uh, and do, do operations on it virtually. So you know, you're not making copies, you don't have uh, various different things to keep track of and worry about losing or having you know, exfiltrated or, or, or what have you. So I think that's, that, uh, that, that's certainly one. Um, you know, another is you know, we really think that uh, the, the ideal data platform is, is open. And what does that mean? You know, it doesn't mean open source. 
It means that organizations can use the tools that exist today, uh, best of breed capabilities for processing th that data, for querying that data, um, and they can use things that don't exist uh, yet, right, in the future. In other words, they're future-proof. And so, you know, having the data, you know, be in an open format, be fully, you know, available to, uh, like I say, you know, any range of services um, is really important. So uh, just a, a completely open architecture in general that allows best of breed, uh, you know, processing uh, and, and, you know, unknown, at, at, you know, in today's um, you know, kind of use cases, uh, ways of, of accessing that data becomes important. It just gives people flexibility helps them to uh, constrain their cost as well, it eliminates things like lock-in, you know, or frankly lock-out, because one of the challenges of, um, you know, proprietary systems is like once your data's in them, uh, if they're loaded in and kind of that data's locked away, you're also locked out of, of, of other innovation that, that's happening around you. Um, and then I would think that, or I would say- Well, let me, let, me, let me talk about that point for just a second. Sure, sure. Yeah. So the openness really, in the cloud data warehouse data lake concept, really what that comes down to meaning as a tactical matter is that the S3 objects are the canonical store and that you don't have to load them into something else. So that any kind of service uh, you know, can operate on those S3 objects or whatever cloud you know, object storage you're using. And, and that, is, that, that seems like to me the most important principle of openness because then you can have multiple workloads banging against the same set of data you know without uh, 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 the kind of uh, you know it being in the proprietary formats that, that we've been talking that you, you've mentioned that's 100 percent correct Dan. Um, so uh, you, you nailed it keep that data you know in one spot in an open location right in s3 don't then copy again copies come into play don't copy it and move it and adjust it into something where it is, um, you know, locked away, right? Like keep it, keep it there where it's available for, for lots of people to use, or lots of different processes uh, and, you know, processing applications. Okay, now what was the next uh, uh, point? Yeah, so, and, and so the next one is, you know, when you really get into the, the sort of the way that the processing happens or the, or the queries happen um, really in, in Dremio's case, and, and this comes down to compute and the way the, the applications that, that do the work are actually built. And so, you know, so much of, of the software that runs in the cloud today, it actually doesn't uh, take advantage of the inherent uh, elasticity that the cloud makes available. And, you know, if you think about what the cloud really does, you know, it's like a collection of different primitives that if, if you really want to take advantage of them, you've got to rewrite your application, whatever it is, um, and re-architect it to use those. And that involves a lot more uh, scale out, for example, a lot more massive uh, parallelism. Um, I mean, the cloud is, 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 is built differently than your traditional on-prem uh, scale up, mostly uh, infrastructure, right? And, and so one of the things that happens that, that uh, software doesn't do is it doesn't let resources go when, it's, when, they're, when they're done being used. Um, and that's, be, you know, because so much of this, you know, of the heritage of, of application design comes from the on-prem world where your infrastructure is, is fixed. Like it's not, it doesn't disappear. It's not ephemeral, right? And so people build their applications expecting that infrastructure is going to be there. And of course, you know, they're, they're not going to shut down their processes because the, you know, there's, there's no, there's no need. So even if things aren't being used, if, you know, if the software is not actively being used, it's still running. 
and that consumes uh, cost in the cloud. And so the ideal solutions in the cloud are fully uh, aware of the fact that they should only be consuming compute cycles when they're actively being required uh, to run. So uh, they should then spin up, uh, get used to do whatever they need to do, but when the work is done, they should spin all the, 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 the cloud infrastructure, where, you know, if it's EC2 in the Amazon case, um, back down to nothing and release those resources because you can. I mean, that is the one of the really big uh, value propositions of the cloud is you can, you can not doesn't often happen this way, but you can truly pay for only what you use. Um, and so uh, that, that, that's a big part of uh, what we think, you know, an, an ideal uh, you know, platform of any kind, but a, certainly a data platform um, uh, as well uh, should have. But there's two aspects to this. Uh, one aspect is the one you mentioned last, which is that you should be able to go dark, meaning that, you know, at some point, if you're not doing anything, you should be able to just pay for the cost of the storage and not have your, your, uh, your, trans, you know, your, your computing workload processing systems going. The second thing though, I think, is that you should be able to bring up uh, different shaped uh, uh, you know, units of, of, of processing, different shaped configurations of your application to do different workloads. And, and so that to, you know, to do them either more efficiently or faster or whatever you want. Um, and uh, uh, that, that seems to be another aspect. I mean, all, what, I, I think that the ultimate thing is, the idea is, is the elasticity actually visible to and benefiting the user? That's the, the ideal products in the cloud actually have that characteristic. Yeah, I think, look, you're absolutely right. I, I would kind of um, take, take what you said about uh, providing that, that, that visibility and granularity as kind of a double click into, are, are you actually being elastic? So um, the, you know, the way that we think about this is, is that, you know, if you, you know, assuming you have some elasticity, that's great, but you also, you know, won't be able to fully take advantage of it if you still have software that is architected to be uh, still fairly monolithic. So, and, and i.e. not granular, right? So then what happens is, um, and this is very common in the world uh, of, of queries in, in the, you know, the space that Dremio plays, is you've got uh, query engines that uh, what they do is they have a single execution environment. They, uh, uh, when, they, when they're running, they're supporting many different query workloads all at once. And, and when that happens, you don't have the granularity to ever stop anything because something's always hitting the engine, if you know what I mean, right? Um, and so it's, it's sized, uh, for sure, to, you know, to be too big, you know, just right out of the gate because, um, you know, you, people are, are having to, uh, uh, size for peak demand across, you know, a, a diverse range of, of query workloads. Um, but, but it can't it really ever shut down. So the, this is why the, you know, the double click for us in, you know, around, around elasticity is to do it right then you also have to provide a high degree of granularity so that you can, I think in, in your words, expose that elasticity to each and every query workload that exists. And so when you do that, then you can say, okay, fantastic. Let's, you know, maybe it's an ad hoc set of use, users over here. Maybe it's a batch, you know, workload over there. Um, any one of those things can spin up and then shut down when it's, when it's, when it's off or when it's not being used. Um, and uh, while others might still be in use, right? So then you're really uh, fully taking advantage of 
um, uh, of the elasticity. And, and this, it's sort of another way of thinking about this being um, this notion uh, even just alluded to a little bit earlier around kind of being very scale out and massively parallel, right? You need, you can't just be monolithic. Like you've got to have lots of granularity, frankly, across many, many dimensions. Um, and then you can really take advantage of, uh, of the underlying uh, capabilities that the cloud provides. Got it. And then, so we've got so far, no copies, open, use and expose elasticity to benefit the user. If you had cloud products that did that, that goes a long way, but there's, there's more. There's more things that I think are important here. What, what are the next ones? Yeah, so the other thing that um, I think is, is becomes really relevant in the cloud, in particular where resources are ephemeral, is as performance and speed of, of operation. And this is, this is really interesting, actually. So uh, if you think about this, this also goes back to on-prem infrastructure. Like in the world of on-prem, like you've got, your, you've got your equipment, you have what it is, or it is what it is, and you're, you're trying to get the most performance out of it that you can. Because uh, that infrastructure is not going away. You're already paying for it. In the cloud, you get to do things differently. And because that, uh, that equipment is virtual, right, it's ephemeral, uh, then performance all of a sudden becomes a way of being more efficient in the following sense. Uh, if you can complete a task faster, then you can stop the execution of that task and shut down the resources associated with it. And so this, this is, you know, sort of another double click, if you will, into that uh, ability to take advantage of, of, of elasticity, which is to say that, again, if you've got granularity uh, and you've got performance, the more performance, kind of think of it like kind of like performance per um, kind of unit of, of compute in the cloud, uh, then you can shut down more quickly. Uh, you can also size your your, the compute that you need to do a, a job at any given performance level to be smaller. And so that's the other th the, than, than way to think about, um, you know, the, an optimal uh, cloud, uh, you know, application, uh, whether it's query or otherwise, is faster is better. And, and not just because you want to necessarily deliver uh, performance gains directly to the end user. Uh, you might be fine with the performance that you have. But the more performance you have, you can then essentially convert into lower infrastructure costs because you can size the, the, your engines down smaller. The amount of, uh, of you know, in Amazon's terms, EC2 uh, instances can be smaller instances. And you can use them for less time because they'll complete faster and you can shut them off. So performance, yes, the, the, the you know, ideal platform is really, really fast because that then also drives out infrastructure costs. Got it. And so... The idea here is that not every, you know, cloud product that you use in the data warehouse, data lake, you know, uh, data management has these characteristics. Either, you know, you have to make copies, you have to load things in, it's not open, you, you, the elasticity is opaque or doesn't benefit the user, and, uh, you know, it's, it's the speed and efficiency falls short. So the, the goal is, of course, to, to get, you know, an A plus in each one of these things. Now, I want to take a step back and talk a little bit about Dremio before we talk about how Dremio does this, because I think that your strategy can be uh, interesting for people, even if they're not going to buy Dremio. Uh, I think that, you know, the way you guys have constructed this is really kind of uh, got a, some interesting properties that I think uh, would be useful to people who are building their own data supply chains, who are building their own data lakes, wherever they are building them. 
Now, you know, I've, I've been, you know, writing about Dremio and, and talking to people at Dremio for many years. And, you know, I've always been interested in it because, you know, the whole idea was that you, you would have basically a, a landscape of data that you could then pull in. And Dremio was uh, the, the creator, uh, I believe, of the Apache Aero project, um, which was a in-memory uh, engine for uh, taking data and allowing it to be queried against. And then you, there's a variety of other projects that are related that I think were inspire inspiration, like the Apache Panda project. And essentially, uh, on top of that engine, Dremio has built uh, a bunch of contracts, I, constructs. I think the most important one is, is called reflections, in which you can then take a bunch of data from an arbitrary number of sources, pull it in, and then you can do, using SQL, you can do joins against it that... Uh, are not dependent on the underlying source. And this is where you get your sort of virtual transformation sort of architecture from, because all of the data that you land in Dremio, then you can then start defining virtual transformations so that then you can access these purpose-built, you know, output data sets that don't really exist until you, you know, you, they're materialized on demand. And so, you know, you can, if you have a bunch of data that's just in flat files, you know, you don't have to worry about that because you can still join and index and make it really speedy. And, and, and so the, at first when I, I talked to Dremio, it was all about, you know, being able to do this across a landscape of, of data sets. Uh, but now it's really, and then some of the data sets could be in SQL, some of the data sets could be in other repositories. Now it's really mostly about supporting that data lake case, uh, uh, you know, which is the data is in your cloud S3 object storage or, or the other object storage on the other clouds. And uh, so could you talk a little bit about how the evolution of the project product came to realize that, you know, the cloud data lake was where it at, it's at, and then the way you yeah. changed the product to actually support that use case better? Yeah, you bet, you bet. Um, so, you know, you're right. If you go, if you go back in time and in, it's, you're, you're absolutely right. You've been kind of following us for a while, right? Um, there, you know, if you if you go back in time, there's there's a more heterogeneous set of sources for data, and and so you know back then there was a greater demand from our early customers to you know provide access to that data where where it's at, and some of it would be you know in the data lake, but there was still quite a quite a bit of data that was sitting in operational sources you know outside of uh, of the lake, and they wanted to pull that that in. Now, um, and we helped them to do that. That said, uh, th that's still not the best experience for for customers, right? What you know, anytime you're having to go and touch an operational source, you know, you're at risk of, of things being slower, right? That's just kind of that's the architecture, and and frankly, it's one of the reasons why data virtualization as a category is just is not a great category from uh, from an end customer you know perspective. Um, what you really want, uh, and, and and by the way, I would also say that's why. You know, traditional data warehouse architectures have, have worked well because they avoid that, right? They, you know, they're, they're going to suck all the data in and then and they can provide a more uh, consistent experience around, uh, around accessing and using that data. Um, so, you know, fast forward though to, you know, where we are today and data lake storage in particular in the cloud, right? S3 for AWS and ADLS for Azure, for example, that is really now the, the, the primary place that data is landing, and so it's either getting there first from the the applications that are that are generating data, uh, or 
organizations are already uh, building or have built uh, data pipelines from operational sources um, into the data lake. So the, the data lake is now the, like, I think maybe the word we use is the canonical source, right? But it, that's where the data is. And so, uh, first of all, I mean, that, that's, that's really good news for customers because it's starting to, you know, provide and actually is providing for many uh, today this single place where they can go and, uh, and, and start to use their data. They no longer need to also or separately uh, ingest it into some other source uh, or other store like a, like a traditional data warehouse. So, so um, just, just to, to, to sum up here, I wrote an article in Forbes a while ago about the dogmas that are driving forth Dremio. And, you know, the way I think of products is that there's a set of core beliefs, I call them product dogmas, that are at the center of how your product is being constructed. And, you know, one of your product dogmas is that you want to separate query performance from the underlying source of the data, you know, and, and so, you know, as time has gone on, you've realized that the, 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 the kind of more, most important source of the data is, 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 is now in these, you know, object storage. And, you know, you were already, you know, well positioned to, 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 to deal with that. And so now that's one of the things that, you know, if, if people are planning on moving toward a data lake where instead of storing it in a really expensive infrastructure, you store it in a much cheaper form and then create whatever transaction engine and compute engine you need, that's the kind of product that, that Dremio wants to be. And I assume that when you're in, in, in most of your customers, you're just one of many engines that's going after that S3 storage. It's not like all of that S3 storage is just only used by Dremio, right? No, that's absolutely correct. And that's, that, that goes to the whole point of, a, of an open uh, architecture, right? Where you can bring best of, breed, uh, best, of, sorry, best of breed processing engines, you know, Spark or EMR or Dremio or other things uh, to bear. So you're, you're absolutely right. And so, you know, the data is now in these, these cloud object stores. And then we have, um, and, and frankly, that's what we were always built for, it, you, you know, from um, just a, an internal architecture uh, point of view. Um, and, and our life has gotten a lot easier and our customers are having a much better experience now because they, their, their data is in, in, the, uh, in a more centralized location. And so we've optimized uh, and added other optimizations you know, along the way uh, acceleration technologies. Um, for example, we have something called a columnar cloud cache. We're, we're end to end columnar, right? Like Arrow, you, as you mentioned, you know, we're behind that, um, that project along with Wes McKinney and, you know, our, our entire architecture is built around, around columnar. And, uh, and so one of the things that we've, we've also done is you created massively parallel data readers out of uh, the cloud data lake storage environment with, um, uh, NVMe caching, for example, in EC2 uh, instances that's all transparent. So a bunch of things that we've done specifically for the cloud, predictive pipelining, you know, another, another technology that we have that, that allows us to be really fast, uh, you know, on, uh, you know, on reads uh, for, for these queries. So we, we've really optimized for, uh, for performance on cloud data lake storage. Now, that said, there's still going to be some situations where people have um, you know, data in additional sources outside of the data lake. And so we do uh, still maintain connectors and, and provide support for people to, uh, to use those where they live. And so in the cloud world, maybe they've got some data in RDS or in Redshift. Um, and so we can still connect to those things, but more and more uh, the, the, the whole um, architecture is really centered around a, a big center of gravity on the, on the data lake storage environment. 
So, and then now in the new uh, release that's coming up, um, that's going to be released May 5th, you've actually added some stuff that, that enhances your support for the kind of perfect uh, product we talked about at the beginning of the call. Uh, you know, what was the motivation for those features? What are they and what was the motivation? Yeah, sure. So the, the, the motivation first, you know, is, uh, is first of all, performance, uh, as, as we talked about, the more performance you have, right, the, the A, the better it can be for end users, but also to be the more efficient you can be. Um, and, and then efficiency uh, directly, like we were looking for ways to really drive out um, the, the uh, cloud infrastructure costs, right, and just really make that compute um, as efficient as possible, taking advantage of the elasticity, right, that, that we mentioned. So those, uh, those are a couple of big drivers. The, the third, I would say, was, was fundamentally around uh, consumability and ease of use and, and really uh, creating a fast onboarding experience for people that are new to Dremio, uh, giving them an experience that is very much like SaaS, but without actually being SaaS. And this is, this is intentional because what we, the other thing that we found a, a lot of enterprises want is they want full control of, of their data platform. And they don't want to cede control to, to, a, SaaS, to, you know, to a SaaS vendor. Right and, and and send their data through into a SaaS vendor. Many want to have uh, their 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 data live in their own cloud account. So call it S3, right? But they want their compute to live in their cloud account too. And so they Got want. It. Um, so it's sort of they, like a managed installed instance is what they really would like. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's kind of you know it's a bit of a you know you know hybrid if you want, want to think of the, right, think of right. that term. Not in the traditional kind of hybrid cloud way, but. No, no, but, but the, and, and, and I can see, you know, especially as, as, as the data gets more valuable uh, and security gets more important and that a data breach would cost more, you know, you don't want to necessarily trust that the operational staff of the vendor is going to really get the job done. And so you can keep control of that. But then what you're saying is that, that the best way to do this would be to offer a, a instance where sort of the instance that gets installed is managed by the vendor, but then it can be installed automatically at any time. Do you do, you do this through through like machine images, or or, or do you, do you have you achieved this this level of support yet? Yeah, so that that is that that is the fundamentally the the new capability that we've uh, that we recently brought out. So um, we created a, a specific uh, version of Dremio uh, heavily optimized for AWS, and we call it the Dremio AWS edition. Uh, not surprisingly. And uh, and so there's there's a couple big uh, capabilities inside that uh, that addition that that make this all possible. These three things that I talked about. So you know the first is something called Elastic Engines, which is all about um, providing that really granular uh, 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 compute performance and ability to elastically spin up and down um, for the individual query workloads that you have. Uh, and then a second is something that we call Parallel Projects which wrap a whole bunch of automation around the software experience of Dremio. And, um, you know, all of the resources, uh, the, you know, the, you know, configuration, the, anything that's persisted, you know, and created by and persisted by Dremio uh, in S3 or EBS, you know, for example, or EFS even for that matter, um, you know, is all in, in kind of one, con, you know, contained zone. Uh, and that way, you know, business units can have, you know, their own compliance and, and, 
and, and keep full control of, of all their data and all of the right. You can uh, say, sort of you can say here's my Dremio zone. And so any kind of working S3 objects or whatever you need to create parquet files or whatever you guys do with your reflections, uh, you can do there. But then you can have that be happening there and then another S3 zone where the, all the crown jewel data is. Yeah, that's correct. And it's because for, you know, for your, your listeners here, like Dremio doesn't ingest data, right? Like we're not, we're not making, you know, copies and managing copies and, you know, doing things the way that, uh, that other people do. So the, the data is going to stay where it is, but we have to take care of our own stuff, right? Well, um, yeah, and, but you have scratch pad data and, and, you know. Exactly. I mean, you have exactly. data that you, 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 that is, that is transient, that, 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 you know, gets written out into a variety of forms. And Correct. I, know that, Correct. I know that parquet is a really crucial form for you guys. You bet it is. You bet it is. Yeah, Again, yeah. Part, of, part of being end-to-end -end uh, columnar. So, um, yeah, so the, with this, this capability called Parallel Projects, provides that for us. We have automation around the deployment initially through the AWS Marketplace. We have automation around the configuration of Dremio to, uh, to do things like use uh, and configure the, 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 the columnar uh, cache that I talked about. Um, as well as data reflections, get those set up to work on top of S3. Um, even backup, like we, we, you know, we configure backup for uh, you know, our projects and, and also upgrades themselves. So we make it very, very simple. We have automation around uh, you know, even uh, going from one version of Dremio to another. So it's literally as simple as stopping a Dremio project and restarting a Dremio project. Um, so th th these things, all of this sort of service-like so, so, experience so, has been created uh, right, through projects. So, so the managed instance is most of what you've talked about, but then the Elastic Engines is, is, is part of the, you know, exposing the value of the cloud to the, uh, to the, uh, to the end user. Yeah, yes. so, let's, so let's, let's talk about that. So um, th this, is, this is, we think it's gonna be very exciting for people because, you know, anytime you can save a dollar, that's great, but you, boy, if you can save 90% on your cloud infrastructure costs compared to traditional uh, query engine approaches, that's, that's pretty, darn, uh, pretty darn interesting. And so that's what we're doing with Elastic Engines. So really what they are, you know, are, they're, they're um, uh, multiple engines. So we move from a world where you have like one, right, that we talked about before where you have one big thing and it's, you know, you've got a size for peak loads. Now you can have as many as you want. And each one of those engines, literally, there's like there's there's not a there's not a limit. It's up to, up to people to create as many as they need, map them to the individual uh, query workloads that they've got. Could be people, could be you know processes, what have you. And and then those individual engines, therefore, are sized appropriately. And this goes back to one of the other things we do. We're super fast. Like the whole architecture of Dremio is very very fast. I call it pound for pound, right? You know, kind of. For any given EC2 instance, um, we're going to operate around, on average, 4x faster than, uh, than anything else that's out there. And so, what that you know what that means is, hey, people can size us already to be much much smaller than the competition. And so, uh, and frankly, since we're about 4x faster, that means you can be 75% less cloud infrastructure, kind of right off the bat. Got it. Then we have, um, you know, uh, uh, the the fact that we can be this extremely granular with the engines and uh, now they get sized just to fit any individual workload so there's no more over provisioning and no more under provisioning too for that matter i mean you get to size just the right way uh and then we have automation on top that does elastic scale up whenever we see uh, queries coming in kind of dynamically <clears throat> for that particular you know from that workload map to a particular engine then we'll spin the engine up 
the engine runs for as long as it needs. When queries uh, activity stops, the engine, uh, we automatically elastically scale it back down to zero. Right. So, and, and so this is turned out to be an advantage because a variety of people are using software that was built and adapted over time that isn't necessarily architect in a way that is intended to optimize the kind of S3 storage as the canonical storage model. And so you said that you have a, co a cost advantage about other engines that can use S3 as a, as a, as a canonical source, but, but don't have all the other properties. Like, for example, you said that some of the wins you're getting are against companies that have been using Presto, the open source, uh, uh, you know, scalable database uh, for SQL processing. Uh, and uh, you, they've been moving to Presto to, to you guys because they can just do the workloads in a lot, using a lot less cloud resources. That's absolutely true. Um, you know, so first of all, like uh, we're extremely easy to get up and running and keep and keep running. Like that we're providing really the service-like experience. But then just from a pure efficiency perspective and performance perspective, which are flip sides, right? They're kind of like two sides of the same coin as we were talking about in the cloud, right? Which is kind of the, the, the interesting result of, of this ephemeral nature of the cloud. Um, yeah, so we're, we're uh, on average 4X faster, thus uh, you know, a quarter of the, infra of the cloud infrastructure costs in order to, to kind of get a, a, an equivalent job done. Um, and then that's just because we're fast. Then you layer on the, the new elastic engines and the, the fact that we eliminate all of the um, over provisioning and we only run when they're actually query activity happening, we cut out another 60%. And so you, know, you, you remove 60% of the remaining 25% and you're back down to 10%, which is what uh, results in the 90% savings um, that I was referring to earlier. So it's, it's a huge reduction in cloud infrastructure uh, a cost that is, you know, um, frees up money for people to put into other things, right? And that's typically what happens. So, you know, in the in the cloud, uh, in the, the idea is, hey, there's lots of other services, there's other projects people want to, uh, you know, get up and running, and they can now strategically pull those things uh, those things forward. And so, um, it's, frankly, it's one of the reasons why you know we're a big AWS uh, a partner, and that relationship is really strong. So, you know, we drive a lot a lot more kind of workloads into the cloud because we just make it so cost effective for people to do it. Right. And then I think we probably should have added one thing above in, uh, to the list above, and that is you can get started for free. Now, the Dremio uh, uh, pricing model is right now you, you can get started for free. You can get an instance that, that has just basically ability to process as many queries as you want, as much data as you want, but it's not got any of the, 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 the kind of the more advanced catalog and access control features and a variety of other things. Um, so when you do start, you know, using the, the full Dremio product, you know, how do you capture value? What, 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 what do people pay for? Do they pay for seats? Do they pay for data volumes? How does it work? Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, we think this is a, you know, this is part of the fun of being a disruptive young startup, right? You get to do things, get to do things differently and you get to be aggressive too, right? Because that uh, shakes up markets. And uh, with this new AWS edition, you know, we're, we're really excited because the, the product is free for, um, for any scale, really. Like there's no, there's no limitation on number of users. There's no limitation on number of queries. All of our acceleration technologies are there. You know, the connectors we have, 
um, two different data sources again if you if you need to use them that's all there um, and, and so people can go a long ways this isn't a promotional offer like that's just free period right uh, and we have many many users are absolutely full-on in production and they don't pay Dremio anything and all these benefits in terms of cloud infrastructure savings we talked about they get all that too so you know where do we make our money right we're a, we're a for-profit organization for sure and the way we make our money is when people expand their usage um, typically across multiple departments this is where we kind of we tend to see it and and then they say okay well we've got lots of different teams and different departments um, we want to create some standardization we want to uh, you know make sure that we've got uh, role-based access control and other enterprise security um, wrapped around the overall usage so that they they have you know, more governance on who has access to what data, right, across the organization. That's really like, uh, from our um, customer's point of view, you know, when they've, they've uh, when they need to actually uh, you know, sign up for a subscription. So it's not because of the query work. It's not because of the analytics work. It's Got really it. security. And then when they sign up for, and when they do subscription and support, do they sign up by seats or do they sign up by data volume or how does that work? Yeah, they're, they're, they're signing up essentially based on nodes um, or, uh, and in the future, this will become compute hours, right? But it's essentially what they're, what they're paying for is the amount of compute that they're using for Dremio. So, and we currently so there's measure a, there's that. There's a markup, essentially a markup on compute resources. Yeah, that's the way, Got that's a, a, a pretty simple way to think about it. Um, it. Okay. And so of course, for the free version of Dremio, uh, like markup zero. Yeah, yeah, I get and, it. And, and, for, and for paid, yes, then, 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 you know, one of the things that, uh, that were even our paid customers, of course, right. The we're driving down the amount that they pay to us with these new elastic engines features. Yep. And, and that's okay. We're fine with that because we know that that's the right thing to do. Like that's the, ar the, the architecture of the cloud should be and the right way to use the cloud is you pay for what you actually use. And so this goes to the benefit of being young and small. Uh, compared to the big incumbents, right, where uh, we can build our business model and our financial structure to uh, to be able to afford those things. Um, and, and and we can just go for share. Good. And so what is the sweet spot? Like, who is the people that come in, see this, try it, love it, and then want to, uh, to, to use it uh, as a, you know, as either as a free or a commercial uh, customer? What, what are, what are yeah. the sweet spot uh, use cases here? It's like, um, I mean, the, th the three main use cases, and we can talk about the different you know, kind, of, kind of customer shapes, but if, if anybody who wants to do business intelligence and they want to do it directly on their data lake storage, like that's the, the number one sweet spot uh, for Dremio. They've got a bunch of data, it's sitting in the data lake, they've had a heck of a time, um, you know, i.e. a very difficult time trying to, to, to query it directly. And so they've been going through all sorts of, you know, uh, hoops and, and, and whatnot, uh, moving data into, into data warehouses and, uh, and, or, or just suffering with slow performance with other query engines and whatnot. Um, so th that's like, that's the number one thing. Um, second would be data science. So, you know, we make it very easy for, for data engineers to collaborate fast with their data science, uh, scientist counterparts, you know, to get access to various, you know, wide ranges of, of, of new data sets, right, that, that is in the data lake uh, environment for sure. So data science, again, directly on data lake storage. Uh, and then lastly, uh, migration from on-prem data, data lakes to the cloud. And so, you know, the, whereas the first two use cases really could be, you know, any size, right? Like lots of organizations, um, you know, are, are either trying to do, you know, data science uh, or, 
um, you know, business intelligence. Uh, but large enterprises for sure have built cloud data lakes, sorry, not cloud, on-prem data lakes, you know, on technologies like, um, like Hadoop and HDFS. And, you know, the, the vast majority, maybe not all, but the vast majority have a, a cloud strategy to uh, kind of move to, you know, S3 to ADLS and do things in the cloud for all the, the reasons we, you know, we talked about. I mean, you can be just so much uh, more effective um, and efficient. Yeah, you know, once you're there and when you do it right. And so, you know, a lot of people are using us to help them to make that shift because they can run us, you know, even on their, their on-prem data lake, they can have a, a consistent experience um, there as well as when they go to the cloud. And in fact, even the semantic layer that they can, that they can build, we, you know, we can help them to actually take that semantic layer from, from on-premise and, and put it in the cloud as well. So, um, you know, we're helping, especially the larger or, you know, enterprises to kind of make that shift. Give me an example of a semantic layer that you would shift. Well, like, uh, so we've got like uh, a, a large consumer goods uh, customer, um, a big, big brand name. Um, and, you know, they have many, many uh, uh, products and, and they operate in, uh, globally in many different, um, you know, countries. And so, you know, the semantic layer for them, you know, is, well, like what in what in any specific country, like what counts as a product, and it can be called something different here, called something different, you know, in a different country. You know, in some countries, like the day of the week, you know, starts at a different time. How how do they centralize and standardize on a consistent set of of, of KPIs and and business logic that enables them to do consistent reporting, right? Like so they can get a, a view of of right. the business holistically. Now I, now I understand. Basically, what you're saying is. When somebody's done the work to actually declare and define and get everybody to understand a data product, you might access that data product through a bunch of reports that are created by a BI system, uh, you know, in a data warehouse. But you can also move that whole data product into Dremio and Dremio can, you know, replicate the delivery and, and you can deliver the same data product, you know, to, uh, to the same people just with a cheaper infrastructure and a better infrastructure. Yeah, that's right. And, and we do it in, you know, the, the, in one of the fundamental benefits of Dremio is we make this very self-service too, right? Um, you know, it, it doesn't take, don't need to be a, a, a you know, a scale programmer, um, you know, to create a semantic layer. And, and we make it very easy to expose that semantic layer for lots of uh, uh, BI users and data scientists to come in and just access the data themselves. And, these, and the way they do it is via, uh, or via virtual data sets, because again, we're not, we're not making copies, right? Everything's a virtual transformation. You know, the joins are all virtual. Um, you know, everything's virtual there. And Got so, um, yeah, this, this semantic layer that gets built up, um, you know, by data engineers, you know, virtual data sets on top of virtual data sets, right? Like all different views could be hundreds, thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands of views that are tailored to um, specific uses. But but you want to you want a, a sort of a consistent common base of understanding for those things, right? All of that is the semantic layer, and yeah, so we can we help people that have, have you can you can build that up on prem. Right. We help them to take that to the cloud. But also you can help you know through your data catalog, data lineage, data transformation. You can help build that product from scratch as well. That's you right. Know, you know get because that usually those products have to go through uh, uh, many revolutions of, of evolution, many evolutionary stages before it you know, they get stable and get exactly right. And then, you know, you can make that as fast as possible. Well, and in terms of the, your financial uh, history, you've, you, you're, you're on your series C round. You had a $7 million round led by Insight Partners. Uh, and when was that? Well, so it was 70 million. 
70 yes, million. I'm sorry. One. Excuse me. 70 that's million. A, that's, a, that's all right. Oops. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, uh, we had a, a big round. It was, ex- you know, uh, it was exactly the amount of money we wanted to raise. Uh, Insight uh, Venture Partners uh, was, or sorry, I should say Insight Partners based out of New York was the, the lead investor here. And uh, we're going to, you know, when, first when of all, was that? That was just, just in March. And wow, you know, very recently, right? And yeah. so a real vote of confidence in in our financial performance and you know the, the sort of the success of our business and our, our um, prospects as well, right? Given all the the trends to move the data into the you know uh, landing in the in the cloud and this open architecture approach, which is really the way that people are are, are building their their modern data platforms around these days, um, really kind of fueled that. And so yeah, we're we're financially on very sound footing. Uh, we're using that money to accelerate a, a number of different things, in particular the you know the R and D side. Right now, you know, now's a great time to to really to sort of double down on product and kind of create even more distance between uh, between us and and you know alternatives that exist out there. Well, Jason, it's been a real pleasure talking to you today. I am a big Dremio nerd, as you can tell, and I think we've gotten a good uh, uh, set of ideas out that I will capture in in this blog in the transcript and in, in the uh, uh, in other things I write. So thank you so much uh, for joining me today. Uh, look forward to keeping up with Dremio. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for your support. It was a great, real pleasure to talk to you.